This week, a friend shared with me some songs by Paul Anka, a famous singer, but I had never heard of him before. And he has an album called Rock Swings. I thought it was hilarious because you have this old crooner doing covers of hard rock soundtracks backed up by an old-fashioned swing band. I remember when I was in college listening to Nirvana and all these grunge bands coming out of Seattle in the early 90s. The music just sounded so edgy and rebellious, perfect for college-age angst. But it's funny, if you slow a Nirvana song down and you sing it to a swing band tempo, the lyrics take on a totally different character. Something that seems so dark and avant-garde now sounds like something people could dance to at a wedding in 1955. <laughs> we have to understand that the context of a thing matters. If we lose the context, we lose an essential element of our understanding. Today is Gautate Sunday, the third Sunday of Advent, notable for rose-colored vestments that the priest wears and the rose-colored candle on the Advent wreath. Gautate comes from the Latin, meaning rejoice. It's the imperative form of the verb. It's a command, not a request or a description. It's telling us, like St. Paul in the second reading, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In all circumstances, give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. The context of this Sunday is that it is set within the liturgical season of Advent. And so we have to reflect on what Advent really means. It's meant to be a time of preparation and a time of penance. Preparation in the sense of preparing us to receive the light of Christ at Christmas, reflecting on the awesomeness of that event, that Christ came into the world to be one of us, to be with us in our human drama, and a time of penance in terms of our need to reflect on why we should have a Savior in the first place. The psalm that we sang in the responsorial is Mary's Magnificat, her beautiful response to the greeting that she received from her cousin Elizabeth when she entered the house of Zechariah. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. This is the part of her prayer that is prayed every evening in the Liturgy of the Hours. It is again commanding us to rejoice, to exalt in what God has done for us, just as Mary did. But it's important to understand the context of this rejoicing. Let's face it, Mary is a woman not yet married who is pregnant. She is betrothed to Joseph, but at this point Joseph is still struggling with the idea that Mary is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And so if we backed up a few lines in the Bible from Mary's Magnificat, we would read, During those days Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste, to a town of Judea, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Set out and traveled to the hill country in haste. This was not a pleasant social call, so that Mary and Elizabeth could exchange maternity notes. This was a difficult and dangerous journey, especially for a young, pregnant, unmarried woman. Mary was trying to escape prying eyes, 
her fellow Galileans who would question her pregnancy. Yet despite the personal difficulty and danger that this unexpected pregnancy foisted upon her life, Mary rejoiced. Rejoiced because she realized that despite her outward circumstances, her salvation was at hand. The Messiah was coming. She could say, from this day, all generations will call me blessed. Despite the fact that right then, almost anybody else besides the few people who understood her holiness would have labeled her a harlot or a prostitute. This joy that Mary proclaimed was probably not something that she necessarily felt on the normal level of happiness. Instead, it was her deeper confidence that whatever happens to me, and she didn't necessarily know what was going to happen, she knew that she had been touched by God. That's not to say that her joy was forced or a facade, but it derived from her supernatural faith rather than her natural circumstances. So too must it be with us. We rejoice not because we don't feel the stresses and strains of the holiday season, which we have superimposed upon Advent. Not because we can ignore the fact that, for many people, Christmas is actually a time of difficulty, as bad memories and family tensions rise to the surface once again. But because, like Mary, we recognize that Christ is present among us. His mercy is from age to age to those who fear him. And so we rejoice always. Perhaps we would be better able to integrate this sense of supernatural rejoicing that this Sunday is meant to invoke if we maintained the practice of Advent as a penitential season, one in which we reflect upon our own sinfulness and the fallenness of the world as the very reason why we need Christ as our Savior to begin with. This was especially the mission of John the Baptist. He was calling on people to repent, but not in the ordinary sense that the prophets of the Old Testament had been continually calling on the Jews to repent of their sinful ways. Sin and repentance in the Old Testament had kind of a circular quality. Israel, or part of her, would fall into sin. They would begin worshiping idols or living in decadence. And then a prophet would arise and call Israel back to God. But then the cycle would repeat itself, because there was no way, finally, in the end, to justify oneself before God. That's why the prophet Isaiah called for a Savior who would clothe me with the robe of salvation and wrap me in a mantle of justice, like a bridegroom adorned with a diadem. He wanted an end to the futile cycle of sin and repentance that characterized Israel in the Old Testament. But without a Messiah, it was only a hope and a dream. If John the Baptist were merely preaching a message of repentance in this sense, he might as well have been included in the Old Testament. But John's mission takes its context from the imminence of Christ's ministry. The baptisms that John was doing in the River Jordan were explicitly meant to prepare people to encounter Christ. People needed to turn from some sin now, because now their salvation was at hand. This was a one-way ticket out of the endless cycle. 
John's mission was to make straight for the people the way to the Lord, to give them eyes to see what would soon be before them. So this message of repentance is not filled with gloom. Yes, Advent is a time of repentance, and there will be a certain mournfulness in that. We should be sorry for our sins. But God Sunday is meant to remind us this season of penance points us to a greater joy, to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we should have joy even in the midst of our repentance. Because the context of our repentance, the only way that it makes sense, is if we see it in the light of Christ coming into this world.